You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Kings chapter number 18. 1 Kings chapter number 18, and we'll read a few verses here. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing Pastor preach uh, this morning. And uh, when you find your place there, if you're able, if you could please stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. And we're looking forward to the ordination service tonight. And Brother Caleb told me before the service, he said, you know what, I'm just oozing with Bible knowledge. And he said, from studying for the uh, ordination meeting that we had yesterday and so on and so forth. So uh, he, he just asked that I let the people know that if you have any Bible questions... So please ask him tonight, and he'd be loved to answer those for you, and uh, we're looking forward to that. But it'll be a great time. We're looking forward to that uh, that takes place tonight. 1 Kings chapter number 18, and uh, we'll read a few verses here and kind of skip around. Uh, 1 Kings 18 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab. And I will send rain upon the earth. And verse 2, And Elijah went to show him self unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. If you will, look at verse number 21. And the Bible says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. Verse number 30, And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Verse number 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel. And that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Verse 38, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood and the stones and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And then verse 39, And when all the people saw it, They fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Amen. Thank you. And I want to draw your attention back to verse number 37. And this is is the message for this morning. This is the message on a morning that we are having an ordination service tonight, which is a, uh, a big deal. This is a message on a Sunday morning, two days before an election, and I think probably the most important election that our country's ever faced. But I want you to see at the end of verse number 37, Elijah prays and he says that, that, that they may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. I'd like to preach this morning on the subject of seeing a nation turn back to God. I know that that is a, uh, a message that could be a series. I understand that. I understand we could talk about this for many, many weeks and months and still not exhaust 
the subject. But this morning from 1 Kings 18, I want you to see how God turned His people back to Him. And I believe that God could do it again. And my challenge this morning is really not a lot about what you do on Tuesday or what you've already done with voting. I hope you've already voted or I hope you'll do it Tuesday. But it's not so much with what happens at the polls, but it's what happens with God's people. And I want you to see this morning from 1 Kings how God turned a nation back to Himself and how I believe God can do it again. Lord, I pray You'd speak to us, help us not to miss these truths from Your Word. I thank You for Your people and their faithfulness. I pray that our focus and our attention would be upon what thus saith the Lord. Holy Spirit, would you speak to every heart. Speak to me and through me and fill me and help me to say exactly what needs to be said. May the Word of God come alive. May we see truths in this passage, Lord, that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's exactly what we needed to hear. That's exactly what the message was for us, personally and individually. I pray that you'd speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. It says in verse number 1 that after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. God had a message for His people back then, and I believe God has a message for His people today. If God did not have a message for us, I don't think we'd still be here. I think we'd be in heaven. I think He'd just rapture us out of here. But God's got something for us today. It's found in His Word. God uses a man. God uses a messenger. Tonight we're going to ordain a man. Uh, he is a man. He is flesh and he is blood and he is human, but he is a man. And God can use people. I'm thankful for that. God could have sent angels to deliver the message. God could have written the message in the sky, in the clouds. God could have come himself. God could have stood on this earth and God could have spoken the message to everybody, but God chose to use a man. He chose to use Elijah to deliver a message to his people. You see, I believe what our city needs, I believe what our state needs, I believe what our nation needs is we need some men of God that will stand up again and preach what thus saith the Lord. We've got a lot of preachers, we've got a lot of people who are trying to uh, tickle the ears and make people feel good and pat people on the back. And you know what's amazing? You look at the state of our country and you look at the state of our world, that's not doing the job. That's not working. People don't need just the power of positive thinking. People don't just need some thoughts to make them feel better and give them a better self-esteem. What people need is they need the Bible. And Elijah came to Ahab and his message was not popular. As a matter of fact, when he came in 1 Kings 17, he said, Ahab, I want you to know it's not going to rain until I say so. Well, maybe Ahab wasn't too worried, but the problem was, Elijah waited for three and a half years before God sent him back and said, tell him it's going to rain now. That was a problem. That was a hardship. That was a national disaster. And there was, number one, I want you to see, there was trouble in Israel. It says in 1 Kings 18, verse 2, And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. Now, I think a famine is bad, but this wasn't just an average ordinary famine. This was a sore famine. That word sore, it means to be severe. Can I tell you how severe it was? It hadn't rained in Israel 
for three and a half years. Can you imagine the effects of that? Can you imagine how hungry people were? Can you imagine how thirsty people were? Can you imagine people pointing fingers and blaming everybody? And, oh, it's your fault and it's your problem. Can you imagine the anxiety? Can you imagine waking up in the morning and thinking, I'm not sure we've got enough food and water to keep our family alive. Can you imagine going to funerals of people who had starved to death? Can you imagine seeing the mothers and the fathers and, and the family members weeping, saying, we didn't have enough food for everybody to stay alive? That was the frustration. That was the problem. That was the trouble in Israel. It was so bad that the Bible calls it a sore famine, and the Bible says it did not rain for three and a half years. I want to remind you as a side note that it was a national famine. It was a famine that affected the nation. But you know what was happening to Elijah during this time? He was eating just fine. God was taking care of him. God sent him to a brook in 1 Kings 17, and there was water. And God sent him to a brook, and there were ravens that came every single day and, and, and brought him food. That was before a Domino's Pizza had their delivery service. That was before Grubhub. That was before uh, Uber Eats. That was before all of that. And God was sending Elijah the food to keep him alive. You know, the whole nation was in a famine, but God still took care of his people. God still took care of his man. And we may be in a bad situation in our country. And by the way, things may get worse. I like what Pastor Schott said in the Sunday school class. He said, I have no idea what's going to happen Tuesday. I don't either. And by the way, what happens Tuesday, that probably is not going to be the end of it. There's probably going to be more things coming up and more this and more that and more turmoil and more. And I know that may not happen, but it's possible. But I don't care what happens Tuesday. I'm going to still trust God. I'm going to be in church on Wednesday. I'm going to be in church on Sunday. I'm going to read my Bible Wednesday morning. I'm going to pray on Wednesday morning. I'm going to keep trusting God. And guess what? I know God's going to take care of me. I know God can take care of you and me. Even though there's problems in our nation, God took care of Elijah. Not only was Elijah fed, not only was there food in his belly, but Elijah got to see the miracle working power of God in his life. Now, I don't like famines, I don't like hardships, I don't like trials, but as Brother Nathan sang, it's through the troubles and the problems and the difficulties that we see the hand of God at work. If I never had a problem, I'd never know that he could solve it, and I'd never know what faith in God could do. Israel was in trouble. Israel was in a desperate situation. There was a problem. It was a mess, but God still took care of Elijah. The songwriter said, be not dismayed, whate'er be tied. God will take care of you. He'll take care of you through every day or all the way. God will take care of you. No matter who's elected to be the president on Tuesday, I'm glad that Jesus Christ is still the King of kings and Lord of lords. And by the way, he ought to be your king. He wants to be your savior. If you're not saved, he wants you to put your faith and trust in him. And after you get saved, he wants to be the Lord of your life. He wants to be your king. He wants to have control. Will you let him? He's not up for re-election. He is the king of all the ages. Hallelujah. Notice verse 3. We see Ahab is the wicked king. We see that Elijah is the messenger from God. But verse 3, we see a man by the name of Obadiah. 
It says that Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. Aren't you glad for Obadiah's? Aren't you glad for faithful people of God that just keep on doing right? Aren't you glad for people like Obadiah that feared God more than he feared the king? I think about that verse in Hebrews 11 where the Bible talks about Moses. But before it talks about Moses, it says by faith, his parents, uh, 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 they hid him and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. I'm thankful for parents that fear God. I'm thankful for senior saints that fear God. I'm thankful for uh, uh, Sunday school teachers and ushers and, and deacons and workers and prayer warriors that fear God. Obadiah feared the Lord. We see verse number 12 that he feared the Lord from his youth. Oh, I tell you, we need some young people that will fear God. You can't wait till you're 21. You can't wait till you're 25. You can't wait till you're 30. You can't wait till you're 40. You got to start to serve God and fear God in your youth. That's why the Sunday school is so important. That's why the youth group is so important. That's why the Christian home is so important. Our young people ought to fear God. They ought to have a respect and a reverence and a relationship with God in their youth. We can't wait until they're adults. It might be too late. We've got to instill in them something that is real and something that is genuine. Obadiah feared the Lord. Because of that, he took 100 prophets and he hid them from Jezebel. 1 Kings chapter 16, the Bible tells us just how wicked Ahab and Jezebel were. They hated God. Uh, uh, they hated God's men. They worshiped Baal. They served Baal. They, 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 they turned their back on God. They could care less about the things of God. And now these prophets are fearful for their life. I don't know for sure that that was the right thing for these prophets to do, to hide in a cave. I know in 1 Kings 17, God told Elijah to hide himself. But I'll say this. I think it's important for us as God's people I think it's important that we make sure that our fear of God is greater than our fear of man. I think it's important that we not be ashamed of God. I think it's important that we not be ashamed of His Word. I was reading an article this week about some uh, professional sports teams, their owners, and how they will not, they will not reveal who they're voting for in the uh, presidential election for fear of the cancel culture and for fear of retribution and for fear of how the media will try to smear them. And, and I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't blame them. I, I, if I were a sports owner, I wouldn't blame them for that. I think that's probably wise for a sports owner. Now, uh, I think uh, we all know, I think we all know uh, who we should vote for on Tuesday. And I think we all know why we should vote for a particular candidate. I think we ought to vote for somebody uh, that is uh, in favor of life. Uh, as opposed to in favor of abortion and in favor of death. I think we ought to vote for someone who believes that marriage is between a man and a woman as opposed to same-sex marriage. I think we ought to vote for somebody who has some morals and who has some policies that would lean towards the things of the Bible as opposed to another candidate. But I'm not saying that you have to broadcast who you're voting for. I'm not saying you have to be get 100% involved in politics, but here's what I do think. I think every one of us ought to be unashamed of the fact that we're Christians. 
I think every one of us ought to take a stand and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God and salvation. Paul said in Philippians 1, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with that all boldness, Christ will be magnified in my life. We need Christians that will be bold. We need Christians that will fear God more than they fear the, 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 the laws of man. We see that Ahab and Jezebel were wicked. We see that Obadiah feared God. We see that Elijah came with a message. Notice verse number 17. We see the trouble in Israel, but number two, we see the truth. The truth is declared. It says in verse 17, it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Can you imagine the audacity of that wicked, godless king and his wicked wife Jezebel? And Ahab looks at uh, Elijah and says, hey, you're the one that's caused all these problems for us. Huh. I love what Elijah says. He says, oh no, Buster, it's not me that's the problem, it's you. He said, it's you in your father's house. You've turned and forsaken God and you've worshipped Baal. He said, I'm not the problem, buddy, you are the problem. And by the way, that was the truth. He said, like Nathan said to King David, because of his sin, he said, Thou art the man. Israel, verse 18, had forsaken God. They had forsaken his commandments and followed Balaam. You see, the problem was not the preacher. The problem was not God. The problem was their sin. The problem was not even the famine. The famine was just a result of their sin. And God brought a famine and God allowed a famine in the land to wake his people up. You know, I wonder if COVID, and I wonder if the riots and the looting, and I wonder if all this nonsense going on in our nation, uh, fires and flooding and earthquakes and all those things, you think God might be trying to get our attention? You think God may be trying to wake us up and show us that because of our sin, we deserve judgment? But God is merciful, and if as a nation, if we would turn back to God, that God would heal our, our, our land and forgive our sin. I believe that God is trying to get our attention. He was trying to get the attention of Israel. We see the truth. The problem was their sin. But then I see number three, I see the test. It says in verse number 19, Elijah says, Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. He said, let's settle this once and for all. Let's have a contest. Let's find out which God is the true God. Verse number 21, I love what Elijah says. When all the people came, he said, how long halt ye? That word halt means to hesitate. It literally has the idea that you're dancing around a, a, a problem. You're dancing around two options, but you're not picking. You're straddling the fence. He said, how long halt ye between two opinions? He said, if God be God, then serve him. But if Baal, then serve him. And by the way, I'd say the same thing this morning to Victory Baptist Church, to those watching, to those listening on the radio. Hey, if God is really God, then serve him. But if he's not really God, then don't waste your time. But can I tell you what you'll find out? He is really God. He is the true God. He is the God that created the universe. He is the God that spoke the worlds into existence. He is the God that sent his son to die on the cross. He is God. And if he's God, like he says he is, then why wouldn't we serve him? The people agreed. 
The contest was set. The sacrifices were prepared. The false prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove, they got their sacrifice ready. They danced around. They cried out to Baal. They cut themselves to no avail. There was no fire that fell from heaven from Baal. When they got all done, Elijah said, all right. He said, we need to get our sacrifice ready. And the Bible tells us that Elijah prepared the sacrifice. And the Bible tells us in verse number 30 that Elijah repaired the altar of God that had been broken down. Now, I'll tell you, that's a, that is a shame on Israel that the altar of God was broken down. You know why things get broken down? Because we don't take care of them. Because we don't use them. Because we let them sit. Because we neglect them. Uh, try that with an automobile. Try to leave an automobile. Just let it sit uh, for a long time without ever starting it, without ever driving it, without ever using it. You know what you'll find? You'll need to repair that automobile. And the altar of God was in, in, in disarray. And the altar of God needed to be repaired. And Elijah repaired it. He repaired it with 12 stones, just like Joshua had done, just like God had said, 12 stones, one for every tribe in Israel. He did it God's way. He built the altar in the name of the Lord. It wasn't in the name of Elijah. It wasn't in the name of a church. It wasn't in the name of an institution. He said, we're building this altar, and this altar is God's altar, and it's called by his name. And then he did something unusual. He said, I want you to dig a trench around the altar. He said, and then I want you to go get four barrels of water and I want you to pour them on the sacrifice. He's got the, the stones, he's got the wood, he's got the, uh, the, the animal that had been killed and laid on that altar and they're supposed to see fire come down, but he says, I want you to soak it. I want you to take four barrels of water and I want you to pour it on top of the sacrifice. And I want everybody to see that trench, all that water that's been poured on there. I want you to see it. I don't want there to be any mistake. Four barrels of water. He says, do it again. Eight barrels. He said, do it again. Twelve barrels of water. At a time when it hasn't rained for three and a half years. That was valuable water. That was water that people could have had to drink. People could have had to survive. And Elijah said, I want you to pour it on the altar because I don't want there to be any mistake that God is going to do the miraculous and he's going to do the impossible. And here was the test. The Bible says in verse number 36 that it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. This was the test. You know what it came down to? It came down to a 63-word prayer from a man of God. He didn't preach a sermon. He didn't have a revival meeting. He didn't have a, a, an organized rally. He just got everybody together. He got the sacrifice ready. He poured 12 barrels of water, and then he said, Lord, I've done everything I can do. 
It's up to you. And that was the test. And number four, we see the turning point. The turning point was not the prayer. The turning point was the answer to prayer. Because when he prayed, verse number 38, the Bible says, then the fire of the Lord fell and it consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. We see the turning point. We see the fire of God fell. You know what's amazing is this nation turned back to God and they still had the same king. They still had the same queen. It didn't matter who was in control in Israel. What mattered was who was in control in heaven. And what mattered was who was in control of the hearts of God's people. And they worshiped God. And they recognized that God was the true God. The fire fell because one man got a hold of God. When the fire fell, all of the people were impacted and all of the people worshiped God. You know, what's amazing to me is after three and a half years of famine, they didn't get right with God. It took a man of God. It took a servant of God who could pray the fire down from heaven. You see, we're talking about turning a nation back to God. And I want to challenge you this morning and say that where it starts is right here. Because if God will make a difference in our lives, did you know we can make a difference in somebody else's life? If God can do something in us and if God can get a hold of us and if we can be yielded to God, there is no limit to what God can do through us. A nation is not going to turn back to God until God's people get serious about seeing the fire of God fall. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about, the fire of God? I'm talking about answers to prayer. I'm talking about people getting saved. I'm talking about people getting right with God. I'm talking about homes getting put back together. I'm talking about the backslidden coming back to God. I'm talking about young people serving God. I'm talking about adults saying, I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to give my life to God, not just one day a week, not just one hour a week, but I'm going to get in this thing of serving God. I'm going to make it my life. I'm going to serve God 24-7. I'm going to read the Bible on Monday and I'm going to read the Bible on Tuesday and I'm going to pray every day and I'm going to spend time with God and I'm going to look for opportunities to serve God and I'm going to look for opportunities to take a stand for God and I want to be real like Elijah was real. And when God's people get real with God, that's when the fire of God can fall. I want you to see, and I'll close with this, how did it fall? What was necessary for the fire of God to fall, the miraculous to take place? Number one, I see that Elijah had to fix something that had been broken. Maybe there's something in your life that's been broken. Maybe it's your time with God. Maybe it's a place where you used to get alone with God and you used to read the Bible and you used to pray and you used to have a walk with God every day. Maybe that's been broken down. Maybe that needs to get fixed today. You know, I don't think it was Elijah's 63-word prayer. 
I think it was Elijah's three and a half years of a prayer life. I think it was Elijah's three and a half years of every day saying, God, I don't have anything to eat today. I'm going to need something from you. God, I got a king and queen and the whole army that's out looking for me. And I'm not going to survive unless you protect me. I think it was Elijah having a walk with God that a 63-word prayer was all it took for the fire of God to fall. Maybe in you, maybe what's broken, maybe it's your service. Maybe what's broken is your holiness. Maybe you used to have a testimony at work. Maybe you used to have a testimony with your family. Maybe people used to know, hey, that person loves God. That person doesn't cuss. That person doesn't drink. That person doesn't live like the world. That person isn't living like the devil. That person's different, but maybe we've let that slide. Maybe it's time to get back and get separated and consecrated to God. But Elijah had to fix what was broken. I don't know what it is in your life that's been broken. I don't know what it is that has caused you to not be effective for God. But I'd, I'd say you better figure it out. You better confess some sin and get some things right. If we're going to see a nation turn back to God, it's going to start with some individuals that get holy right with God. Secondly, I see it took faith in God. You want to talk about faith? You need the fire of God to fall and then you take 12 barrels of water and you soak the material and say, that's the material I need to catch on fire? That was faith. Elijah said, hey, I believe God can do it, whether it's dry or whether it's soaking wet. I believe God can do it no matter what. And Elijah had faith because only God could do that. And then how did the fire fall? I believe it fell because of fervency in prayer. You see, for Elijah, he wasn't going home after this and going on about his normal everyday life. He had 850 prophets who were ready to kill him. He had a king and queen that wanted to kill him. And if Elijah did not see this contest go in his favor, I promise you, he was going to be executed. He was going to be killed. Elijah's fervency in prayer, it was life or death. You know, I think for us, I think sometimes our prayer lives are way too casual. And by the way, I understand when, when you go to the restaurant, if you're going to the restaurant today to eat, I don't think you need to stand up on the table and I don't think you need to pray for 10 minutes for revival and all the missionaries and all the backslidden people in your family. And I don't think you need to, I don't think you need to do that. But I wonder, how is it in your prayer time at home? I wonder, how is it in your prayer closet? I wonder if there's some fervency there. I wonder if you've got some prayers that you need answered that literally it's life or death. I wonder if you've got some prayers that only God can answer. And if God doesn't come through, then you have no other option. Can I tell you, there must be fervency in our prayer. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And you know who is used in that example in the book of James? It's Elijah. He prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't. And he prayed that it would rain, and it did. And he was fervent in his prayer. You see, for Elijah, it was real. I wonder what about you? I wonder what about me? I wonder if our Christianity is real. I wonder if it's genuine. If it's not real, 
I'll promise you this. It's not going to make a difference. But if it is real, it will make all the difference in our homes. It'll make all the difference in our church, and it will make all the difference in our nation. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.